I am Shalise Allen Millett. I am a licensed fiduciary uh, with Caring for Mom and Dad, and I am here with Paige Fairbanks Gunn, Relationship Manager at Kelsch Communities. Um, so, Paige, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you, what you do, and how you got there. Okay. Well, I've been in the senior housing industry since 1997, so I kind of have a a, a long journey. Um, I'll give you kind of the Reader's Digest. <laughs> um, I started as a CNA and I was actually going to nursing school and um, did my clinicals, uh, moved my way up and transitioned from nursing and into marketing and community relations. Um, and then I, I, w I was with a Catholic community in Kansas for about seven years via Christie and then I, I moved out to Arizona in 2007 and I've been with two companies but the last 10 years I've been with Kelsch Communities. Yeah. Um, I with the Kelch community with their family. I love the company. Um, they're family owned and operated. Aaron Kelch has been amazing to me. He's been wonderful. He's let me kind of morph into different positions. Um, I've opened all of his, his Arizona properties. We have seven in Arizona. Wow. Um, I have ran a building. I've been an executive director. I've been a regional sales director, and for the last year and a half. Since COVID, right before COVID yeah. hit, um, I transitioned into a relationship manager. So I float around to all seven of our properties in Arizona and I build relationships in the community and offer resources of what we provide, but I also network with so many other businesses out there and people that I've worked with for so many years that I trust and it's it's working together. So it, it's really, you know, if we if, if if we can't help them in one of our communities, I want to be able to help them um, connect them with someone like you yeah. if they need fiduciary services, um, if they need hospice, all sorts of different resources. So um, I also help with training in our communities. Um, I also do assessments. So um, oftentimes if we have somebody that needs to come in quickly and maybe our nurses are busy with families, I will either go out to the hospital or um, connect that hospital and or rehab and work with them and get them, get them the process and the assessment done to get them into the community. Awesome. And help kind of hand them off to the team because it, it is such a transitional point from them coming from either home and or from a community or a hospital if they're coming into a dementia care community. Yeah. It's such a, um, a delicate cycle. Yeah. And so we really have to work with the team. So it's, it's I work with all of our communities. So yeah. we have seven properties. We have um, a full campus in, in the West Valley in Surprise. We have the park at Surprise, which is our independent living. We have Solana at the park, which is our assisted living. And then we have Rock Creek Memory Care. So it's a full campus in Surprise. Nice. And then we have kind of a, a sprinkled area in the East Valley. We have Amber Creek Memory Care at 92nd Shea in Scottsdale. And then we have Silver Creek Memory Care at uh, Wrecker and Baseline in East Mesa. And then we have a campus in Chandler, which is an independent living and then a memory care. So we have all different levels of care. Yeah. So. Which is huge because, huge because there's so many different, there's a variety of needs, a whole range. There's a huge variety yeah, of a needs. huge range. And there's so many, there's so many options. Yeah, I mean Arizona and Florida are kind of. I mean they're the retirement mecca, right? <laughs> you know? right. And so we have so many options, right? And there are so many wonderful places. So that kind of actually leads into one of my questions: is how how does someone know like it's time to put my spouse or my parent in care? That is a huge question. Right? A huge question. I work with so many families. Um, I run a support group too, so I, I which do, is I, really important. I do so a dementia, and let's say when those are because yes. those are huge. So the dementia support groups have really 
I think have helped me help families because I work with families that are not only in our communities, but also that are people that are looking to place or they're caring for their loved one at home and they're struggling. They're like, Paige, when do I do it? I can't do it. It was, you know, I, I've been married for 60 years, um, for better or for worse, and I just right. can't do it. And, you know, I, I really, it, it has to, they've got to have that feeling, but I also give them kind of a rundown and I say, okay, are they safe at home? Yeah. You know, what is going on? Can you leave them home alone? If you cannot, right. that's a concern. Yeah. Okay. You need to make sure that you're getting in-home proper care. Um, if you are leaving, make sure that you get respite care. But if you're having worse days through the week rather than good days, that's usually an indicator yeah. that you're starting to, you know, need more assistance. And I'm not saying necessarily that they have to be placed, but reach out and get those resources. Maybe right. it's home care. There are so many resources. There's so many yeah. resources. So it's it's that I think it's that fear and guilt of I'm placing them, I'm moving them to a community. But it's it's also thinking with your mind versus your heart. Yeah. Because they always think with their heart. Right. And you have to kind of switch gears and say, okay, does my loved one are they safe at home? Yeah. Um, is it is it is it causing issues with my health? Right. The caregiver is starting to decline themselves. And yeah. that's the kicker. Yeah. Is where they're yeah. starting to. I've seen Let's talk yes. about caregiver burnout. Yes. Actually, it is, it is a thing. And you feel guilty for the yes. burnout that you can't do it anymore. And it's an and, epidemic. And even you become resentful at yes. all the work it is. And, and these are all very normal, normal feelings, feelings for and caregivers. emotions. But often when we have. Um, clients like come into the law office or something and they're coming in for mom and dad and they're worried about one of them we're always saying what about the well parent mm -hmm. are you watching the well parent because no one's paying attention that's right and often they're the ones that go first or they're the ones yes. that they're they're suffering but no one knows like it's a real thing that caregiver burnout yes it's like what happens when the caregiver goes to the hospital yeah. What do you do? Yeah. I'm actually, uh, I work closely with Elaine Poker Yant with Visiting Angels. And oh, yeah. She's a dementia educator, too, and she's doing a segment on that today, actually. Oh, really? Noon. Okay. Yes. And it's, it, it is literally, um, it's brought so much more awareness. And I think right. just educating that spouse, because it is the spouses yeah. that literally wait to the last absolute crisis mode. Yeah. And when something happens... Um, it's it's going it, you got to have that plan B in place because right. we have so many families that come to us and it is crisis time we right. gotta find placement now yes and they haven't done anything that's yeah that's one of the things that I, I really um, and maybe you're the same that I, I wish people understood is that what as soon as mom or dad gets into rehab and yes. they say oh they're approved for this many days I've never seen it go that many days never does and a lot of times they're like okay it's time they're leaving at five, you need right. to have a place. Yep. And so really, as soon as mom and dad gets into a rehab or something like that out of the hospital, yes, start looking. Start looking immediately, even if, and the rehab's goal is to, you know, of course, send them back home. And right. of course, the goal is to always go back home. Right. But always look just in case. Yes. Because it is. You're very, you're very, you, you're spot on. You get in the rehab, the case managers are there, you know, they may not be doing, um, enough where Medicare is going to continue to pay because yeah. Medicare does they do weekly meetings in the rehab and there has to be enough documentation and enough effort progress, from the yeah. and progress from the patient and if you're not and you kind of plateau that's where they say nope 
you're you're off of Medicare, right? You've got to find a place, and if they're not up to their you know maximum performance, right, or back to baseline where they were before, and they need more assistance, they're usually going to have to go somewhere, yeah, or yeah. need some sort of home care, right, um, in the home, and so that that's where it gets it, it can get a little dicey, yeah, and where they need to educate and research, right. So if day one in rehab, get your plan A and yes. your plan B, absolutely. Yeah. And have a couple different plans. I mean, you don't have to have a plan of placement. You you know, I always say have maybe a plan of you've got some home care coming in right. um, for, you know, a few hours a day or several hours a week. Um, choose an, a potential assisted living or an independent living. You know, a lot yeah. of people may just need some minor assistance where they're maybe they're living independently all on their own, but a lot of people, like my grandmother, <laughs> she was independent, but it was in her own home, but it was my aunt was going over there every day. Right. My dad was going over there to take care of the dog. They were doing her laundry, they were doing her meals, yeah. they were filling up her pill box, and it was like she wasn't really independent. Yeah, can we actually yeah. talk about that? <laughs> we have a lot of people, they come in and visit mom, yep, who's home alone, and mom's, oh, I'm fine, I'm making all my meals, I'm doing this, and it's really not happening. Right. Um, they're, they're really not as good off as they're telling everyone. And so you really, as a child or something, need to go in and assess yes. and look and see. Because they, they genuinely do think that they are making meals every day and that they're yes. taking the right medicine. But, but they're not. But they're not. And so you need to be there watching yes. and assessing all the time, not just asking them how they're doing. Absolutely. Because oftentimes they'll, if it's a parent far away, I mean, my dad's in Kansas. He lives very yeah. far away. I go there every quarter just to really, you know, check on dad. Are, right. are there not expired groceries in right. the fridge? Right. Are, you know, is he looking well? Is he, yeah. you know, those Is he turning off the stove is he when he walks off? away? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. Um, oftentimes... You know, families too. The the parent will say they're really good over the phone. Yeah. And oh, I'm doing everything. Of course, yeah. I'm eating. Well, what are you eating? Right. Um. You even know, in a phone call, they can mask dementia and Alzheimer's Absolutely. even in a phone call. Yeah. And it takes it takes a while to catch on that that they're really compensating. Yes. For, and it's asking details. Yeah. Instead of did you eat today? Well, yes, I ate today. Right. Well, what did you eat yeah. today? And what did you have yesterday? Yeah. You know, did and then you, asking that question again exactly. in about 15 minutes and exactly. seeing if it's consistent. Right. Yeah. Because it's very yeah. scary because there's a lot of seniors in their home that are in this exact same situation. Right. And and they're, it's just, it will it will get to a point where it's going to exacerbate and yeah. then it's crisis mode. Yeah. So exactly. that's that's where that's where I come in and try to educate, yeah. uh, you know, along with partners in the community to really educate and um, do presentations and talk about yeah. these things um, and make sure that they know that their parent could be one of these people right. and and what type of services and plan B do you have in place? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not waiting until it's an emergency to get that plan. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What are what are some bullet points you really want to hit? I didn't. Okay. So that's what. Okay. Yeah. So, bullet points I think is is being prepared. Okay. Having that plan be in place. Okay. Um, especially if you have an elderly parent or grandparent or loved one that they that you have that plan be in place. I yeah. think that is first and foremost. Right. Because even though they may never need it, yeah. and you hope maybe they don't, but nine times out of ten, there's going to yeah. be some sort of need. Whether that and, and making it kind of a customized plan, right? You know, to 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 your loved one and your parent, because what happens is, is if you don't have that plan B, crisis mode comes into play, right. and you're making decisions, 
it's kind of like, unfortunately, when someone doesn't plan for a funeral. Yeah. You know, and I know that, you know, funerals are, when you get to a certain age, I told my husband, I said, we got to get our funeral plots and everything ready by 60 because you never know. And then you, then you have to make decisions. Right. You're forced to make decisions maybe you weren't planning on or that yeah. you maybe wanted. That, yeah. you didn't, that you that you didn't want. Well, and you're making it when you're in a place where you're mourning or you're yes. frightened. And so you're in this like you're fight, grieving. flight, or freeze mode in your brain. Yes. And the decision-making mode has gone offline on right. your brain. It's, and you're making off. important decisions. Yes. And when you have to place mom in three days or this week, sometimes you don't get them into the optimal facility. Right. Because you're just looking at what's available, right. you know, what who can take them tomorrow and stuff like that instead of like these are the our top three. These are the yes. ones we want in when they're available, you know, get on their list type of stuff. Being, you know, with that plan B, it's it, it's try not to be apprehensive and be scared about it. Yeah. This is, you know, it, the there's so many wonderful communities out there that, I mean, we love our residents. We have resources. It's a good thing. Yeah. And it's keeping in contact with them and have, building that relationship. So you know that maybe they're offering resources. They're offering support right. groups. There's respite care available. Yeah. Day state care available. So I think just building that relationship with your plan B, yeah. people and resources is key. Yeah. Um, I, I think another thing is, is how to... A lot of families and, and spouses and families don't know, they don't understand how much it is, how much it costs yeah. for care. Yes. So, you know, I think sticker shock to families is the national average cost for a nursing home is nine to $12,000 a yeah. month. Nine to 12. It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, because we do a lot of uh, Altex Medicaid mm -hmm. applications. Yes. And right now they're saying that the average in Arizona is like seven to 8,000. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Wife, exactly. It is that much a month. It is that much a month. Now it's scaled. Absolutely. So yeah. Absolutely. So. And I mean, independent living it starts at you know around twenty five hundred and can go yeah. up to five. Yeah. So it depends on you know what type of services and, and our you know assisted is usually starts around thirty five hundred and can go can go up to seventy five hundred and memory yeah. care. Memory care is very specialized because yes. dementia care is very, very complex. Right. And you need, you know, you need a lot of caregivers. We do 24-hour on-site nursing in our memory care communities because it's such a critical, complex disease. Right. And there's so much going on and they need so much attention. Yes. Um, but I think that families understanding, they need to know how much this is going to cost. So doing their due diligence and shopping right. rates, um, because I think what they need to understand is, if you break down care, like let's just say we're, you know, if you start at $5,000 a month, I think $5,000 divided by, you know, 30 days, you're looking at like under seven, I think it's like $6.96 per hour yeah. of care. Right. So if you put it in that perspective, it's less than minimum wage for 24-hour care yeah. in a community. Right. And but housing and food. Housing and yeah. food and care and activities and, right. and everything and security and having a weight-trained staff 24-7. So I think that, you know, how making sure that they understand how are, how are they going to pay for care and yeah. how, what does that look like? Yeah. Because, um, you know, do they have long-term care insurance? A, right. lot of, a lot of kids don't understand. Yeah. Mom and dad have a long-term care insurance policy right. with their employer. Yeah. So researching that, um, were they a veteran? Yes. They, there's VA benefits mm -hmm. out there that can help pay for assisted living. Right. And oftentimes, sometimes, depending on the circumstance, it can pay for independent living, depending on what that's kind of a case-by-case -case yeah. situation. Yeah. Dementia care, it's, it's, it's in the bag because they have the diagnosis. Right. But there's two qualifying factors. There's financial, financial and, and medical. medical. Right. right. So they're right. just like the Alltech. Yeah. 
um, it goes down that, but, but I think really learning that they need to know what the cost is, because yeah. I still get families that come in and go, well, don't their Medicare and Blue Cross Blue Shield pay for this? And I'm like, no, no. Medicare will pay for rehab right. for a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. um, but, but it is private pay. Yeah. until they liquidate their assets, go through that, and then yeah. need to go on to Medicaid, the yeah. Tech program. Yeah. Um, I think those are the two biggest things. Um, and I think that also the advanced directives are a huge piece. Yes. Um, having those advanced directives in place are huge. I had a family that um, actually was working with um, a fiduciary, and they came in, it was a husband and wife, bless their heart, they were uh, both from England, they've been in the States for 50 years, yeah. um, no children, no family whatsoever, oh. and we're sitting down and we're working on paperwork to get her moved in, and he said, well, I'm her power of attorney, and I said, well, okay, well, I need that documentation, we need to have that on file, and he yeah. said, well, I don't actually have it on file, but I'm her husband, so I'm her power of attorney, oh. and I said, well, it doesn't really work yeah. that way, unfortunately, as much as I understand you are her next of kin, right. But unless you have the documentation, yeah. she has dementia now, and she can't make that decision. Right. So what are, what has to happen now? Yeah. He has to file for guardianship, right. which is a whole nother situation. Yeah. And, you know, a long, lengthy process, which yeah. you're very well aware of. Right, right. So, I mean, those yeah. are things. I think having those advanced directives piece um, and the mental health care power of attorney, yes. especially being here in Arizona, because we have so many snowbirds. Yeah. If you did your advanced directives in Illinois, you come here, they don't they don't necessarily apply because yeah. you don't have that mental. Yeah, you power need piece. to have that mental health care yes. power of attorney, which is part of all our power medical power of attorneys. Yep. They just need to be included in that. So one thing that we talk about too is don't wait too long to get those in place. Absolutely. Like once, like you said, once they have dementia, it's too late to do it's those too directives. Late. You can't make it. And so if you see, oh, they're starting to but the other thing that I hope people understand is you just don't have to do this alone. No. You don't. You are not alone You're not in alone. this. And there are so many people out that want to help. Absolutely. And, you know, and you don't have to have the conversations alone. Right. We find, and you might you might have the same situation, but we find, you know, they want to talk to mom and dad. They, you know, we need your estate in place because otherwise it's a mess when you die and we're not going to know what to do, so we need it in place. And mom and dad kind of bulk about that. But bring them in here, let the attorney talk right. to them, and they are open to the attorney. They don't feel like their independence is being taken Correct. by their children. They can call, you know, if you want to talk to mom about assisted living, call you. You don't right. have to have that conversation right. alone with exactly. mom. Exactly. Those uncomfortable conversations right. do not have to be done alone. You're absolutely yeah. right. I do that with families. Yeah. You do that and with families. And they'll respond better a yes. lot of times to you because they don't think you have an ulterior motive. Absolutely. So they respond better sometimes. And I have families that are not even coming into our community. Yeah. I mean, they, it, just because they're if they're not if they're not coming to a Kelch community and they need help, I'm going to help them. Yeah. You know, or pick find someone that will help them. Yes. Um, with what they need, I've I've been able to get families on where they just, for example. They don't want to tell mom they're moving. I have to move mom. I don't want to be the one to tell her. Yeah. We don't expect you to be the one to right. tell her. You don't have to be the bad no. guy. Let us be the bad guy. Right. And here's what we're and going to come up with. And you present your relationship Absolutely. with mom. Yes. And we'll take care of that. You let us come up with the transitional yes. plan, and everybody's plan is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, when someone comes into independent living, it's usually a very fun thing because they're yeah. it's independent living. They're getting resources. It's fun. It's all this stuff. Yeah. Um, assisted living is a little bit more. You know, they may be a little bit more um, 
reluctant to come yeah. to assisted living from yeah. home, and then memory care is a whole different animal. Right. Um, you know, typically they, they have no idea what's going on at that point, yeah. and the, the child and or the spouse are grieving so bad because yeah. they're like, how am I going to tell my right. loved ones that we're moving them? Right. And I said, you don't have to tell them. You don't You let us them. handle that. Yeah. And we're going to sit and meet as a family, and we're going to talk this through and come up with a, pl a transition yeah. plan. Yeah. I just kind of want to emphasize that a little bit. Like, this is heavy. These are heavy decisions. Yes. This, these are heavy burdens to carry, and you don't have to do it alone. Like, there are people Absolutely. who will come in and and help you with and all help you with everything. You don't it takes a team. Yeah, and I think a lot of the caregiver burnout is also isolation. Absolutely. You just kind of feel alone in it, and you don't have to feel alone. No, you do not. Yeah. And with COVID, I mean, there's been so much more. I mean, even a lot, some of the home cares that we partner with um, are just, they're inundated. Yes. With, because there were so many seniors at home alone. No one was leaving. Family wasn't coming to check right. on them. And now it's just kind of busted at the seams. Yeah. And now it's, you know, they need help and they need care now. Right. Um, because they're just getting calls and calls. And yeah. some of the home cares are having to turn away care. Yeah. Because they don't have enough care. Right. You know, and with the national caregiver shortage, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. Um, you know, every every employer, we're do, we're doing the best we can to try to attract, um, pay the best, and right. help pay for school to, to, to bring in caregivers. Yeah, um, and nurses. So, because yeah. everyone's struggling with that too. Everyone's struggling with yes, that right now. It is. Yeah. Is there anything else that you really feel like people need to know and understand, or you wish that they knew and understand that can make this easier for them? Um, I think what they I think they just need to make the phone call. Yeah. I think they just need to call someone um, you know call a community um, contact you contact right. me we can walk them through the services yes. and just you know talk to us about what they're struggling with and we right. can kind of help give them options yeah um, and you're not going to charge them to come in absolutely and talk no. to them and just absolutely say these are your no. options these are the options yeah. I've had someone come in where this is a this is an example where this is five or six years ago this son came to us he came from Sun Lakes mom was living in Sun Lakes he literally thought he had to move mom into memory care because she was so confused and she was driving around getting lost and wandering she came in we talked to her I talked to him I said you know have you checked her for a urinary tract yeah. infection have you taken her to the doctor um, he's like no and so he takes her into the doctor come to find out she had a urinary tract infection they got her on antibiotics and within two weeks she was back to normal she's fine Yes. Yeah. And I mean, so those are the types of things. It's right. like, call somebody, let someone kind of assess your situation yeah. and let us help you um, kind of walk through your struggles and what yes. you're struggling with. Because and no one so expects you to know how to do this. No, no one nobody. expects you to navigate something There's you've not never a guidebook navigated before. Right? Because everybody's situation yeah. is different. You can't, it's not a cookie cutter situation right. at all. And, and you don't know the questions till you get there. You don't, a lot of times. you don't. I mean, and we've had, new. I say call a community or call a home care or you know, call somebody and at least get the resources and the information. I meet with families in our communities. I give them a tour, kind of give them a plan, um, you know, just so they have that plan in place, and then they know who to call when yeah. when that time comes. Yeah, you know, when it when it's time. Um, I think that with dementia care, I think it's extremely important to know that I think having a nurse on site for a dementia care community is key. Yeah. Um, I get families that come in and maybe they've moved them from you know a, a different type situation because they didn't have a nurse, um, and having that nurse, we have really 
less hospitalization. So yeah. I think that's an important piece yeah. for memory care. Um, another thing is, is we have so many silver alerts yeah. during the summertime and that breaks my heart. It's so hot out. It is so hot out. So I think that, you know, people need to understand if you see any confusion, with your loved one, yeah. or you see, and that could be dehydration too. By the way, totally be dehydration. Dehydration. Yes. It could yeah. be dehydration. Yeah. But get them hydrated. Get them checked out. Right. Um, if you see the confusion, if you see some sort of safety awareness, take action. Yeah. Because I mean, we just had a lady that just passed away. I mean, just down here, I think in Sun Lakes, about four or five days ago. So those things are just are crucial because when there's no safety awareness. It's, it's definitely crisis mode. Yeah. It can be. It can be dangerous. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about when someone doesn't have a power of attorney and their directives are in place. If they do have that in place, what is it you use those directives for? What advantages there to having those? Those advantages to those documents are paramount. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it, it protects your loved one from being able to receive information to their power of attorney and or keep it from somebody. Um, it also helps with if somebody is just starting to get a dementia diagnosis and they have that mental health care power of attorney in place, that will help get them into a community. And also if they need any sort of general psych care in a hospital, they have to have that piece in order to go and get the care that they need in a yeah. hospital psych setting before they come to a memory care, right. if that's the circumstance. Yeah. Um, it, it, helps, it helps tremendously in every way because everything runs smoothly. Um, and like I said, they have to have it eventually in a memory care setting because once they have dementia, if they don't have that piece, they've got to go to guardianship. Yeah. And so it's yeah. it's invaluable right. that they have the, those advanced directives in place. Um, I, I'm always letting families know, too, that evaluate your advanced directives about every five years. Yeah. Maybe things have changed. Right. Or maybe your... your the laws have changed. The laws have changed. The mental, the mental health care power of attorney actually is pretty new in the last... Like, if you had yours done 10 years ago, right. it likely doesn't include... The mental health care power of attorney. Correct. It just wasn't as big of an issue. It was ten years ago. Absolutely. And the laws about how and where you can place people that that are covered in the mental health care power of attorney they've changed. They've changed. They've yep. changed. So you or need to your loved one, your agent has passed away, yes. or they become really ill. Yeah. And maybe you don't have a secondary, so you right. have to re you have to re re look at yeah. those and we'll you always have a secondary. Them. By the way, always, always have a secondary. Always have a secondary, and yeah. I never recommend having joint. No, never do never joint. joint. Always have, you know, two first or three. and a, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are totally on the same page yes, on that. Because yeah. then you get families that are like, no, they can't yeah. agree on anything, and it's yeah, that gets complicated. No, it, it makes it makes an already hard situation harder to do. Yes. Joint. So the advanced directives are a paramount piece. Yeah. Um, for placement in assisted living, it really is because yeah. that is number two question of what we ask for is their right. insurance cards and their power of attorney. Yeah. We have to have those pieces. Yeah. Yeah, and when uh, just just to plug, when you do choose your power of attorney, um, look at the aptitude. A lot of people will just I'm going to pick oldest child, second, third, fourth. Right. But sometimes there's aptitudes there, like someone has a medical background, or someone has a financial background, or someone's life is really heavy already, right. or they you know have some anxieties that this this really would push them over the edge to have to like make these decisions for mom. 
Exactly. Um, so, so just when you're choosing, it's not just automatically. It's assess know. the situation yes. of, of your loved one's yeah. lives and and how yeah. what they can contribute. Right. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a key point. You're just gonna throw that. And sometimes together. again, that's why it's important yeah. to revise them every couple of years because people's lives change. Yeah. And so do. maybe number one now needs to go to three and three right. to one. Exactly. So exactly. It's it's very very important. Yeah. So. I would love to talk about your support groups. Yes. Um, I think that that's really important. The support for the caregiver is so important. Absolutely. So let's talk about these support groups. Okay, so the support groups, um, I've been holding uh, a support group twice a month, every first and third Wednesday of the month at 1030. This group is for anybody. It's a dementia friendly, so it's for our. It's for it's. It's a dementia support group. I haven't kicked off a regular assisted living one yet, but it's it's for a dementia dementia spouses and families. Um, I kicked it off on Zoom during the pandemic because we did have them in person, but we did just start to kick off our in person support groups. We have one at Amber Creek uh, Memory Care Community, and that is every second Tuesday of the month at 1.30, and then we also have, I'm sorry, it's every second Wednesday of the month at 1.30 at, at Amber Creek, and then we just started, we're kicking off our Silver Creek in East Mesa, and that's in person, and that's gonna be every second Wednesday also, okay. and that's at 10.30, so. And I think it's important, if you can find a support system in any way as Absolutely. a caregiver, it's super important, and to normalize some of the feelings that you have and what you're going through, and to just, again, you're not alone in this. I exactly Just and I encourage families you know I, I also am involved in a uh, the Sun Lakes United Methodist Church uh, it's through um, kind of with neighbors who care and also risen Savior which is with um, the uh, adult daycare there uh -huh. um, a perfect place I don't okay. know if you've heard of that um, so I do I do one in Sun Lakes as well and that one's in person mm -hmm. and and I encourage families that that are new because I think that they're very they're scared to, to come because yeah. they feel like they have to talk. You don't have to talk. Yeah. You can just sit and listen. Yeah. You don't have to be, you know, we may say, would, would you like to say anything? You don't have to say anything. You can just listen. So yeah. I think that if people just take that first step and will either come to a Zoom or, or come to one in person, it's we have we have resources on either side. Yeah. So I encourage families to take that first step. Yeah, I think it's so important. I think there is a lot of guilt and, and resentment. So much guilt. And then guilt about the resentment and, and all kinds yes. of stuff and, and worry that you're doing it wrong. And there's just... Right. There's, there's no, no wrong way. Yeah, there's no wrong way. Yeah. And it's a safe place where you can come. You can... I mean, I have people that we cry, we laugh. Um, I have some that, you know, just need to say bad words. <laughs> you just, you just, you come and you yeah. can just unleash yeah. and, and just, and, and, uh, you know, I facilitate it, but it's bringing others together yeah. and it's bringing, you know, people that are in the same situation. Right. And so they help one another. Yeah. Spouses are starting to help one another. Family members are getting together and they're making friendships as well. Yeah. Knowing that they're not alone. Right. So Paige, if they want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to reach you? You can reach me on my cell phone direct at 480-285-9097. You can also reach me on my email, and that is pfg at kelshsenior.com. Um, you can find me on our website at Kelsh Senior Communities. You can click on the Arizona site and find all of our seven properties. Um, but cell phone is the best and the quickest way to reach me. You okay. can shoot me a text or give me a call, and I'd be happy to help you out in any way. 
Thank you so much, Paige. I'm, thank you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be on here today.